Old Testament reading this morning is Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. Isaiah chapter 11, 1 through 10. These are the very oracles of God. Let's give it our full attention. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins and faithfulness the belt of his waist. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with a young goat the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people. For the Gentiles shall seek him and his resting place shall be glorious. Whereas they're speaking of Christ, our King, the Messiah, the Anointed One, and the kingdom that he will bring in, this perfect reign of peace, wholeness, and blessedness which is what the angels are celebrating in Luke chapter 2. We're returning for our New Testament text and our sermon text this morning, Luke chapter 2. We'll read verses 8 through 21 for context, especially looking at uh, uh, the song of the angels uh, followed by the shepherd's response. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 21. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who, had, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. 
And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Thanks be to God for his word. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for your word. It is life. It is light. We are uh, dead apart from your word and blind and in the dark apart from your word. And Lord, we, we need your word and we need your spirit now to come and, and take that word and apply it to us, to illuminate our hearts. Give us light and give us life by it. Show us Christ, our Savior, and his glory, we pray. Amen. Of all the iconic and uh, memorable moments that we see in the Christmas narratives in the Gospels, this one here, the song of the angels appearing to the shepherds, uh, this may be the most uh, iconic of all, the most memorable of all. And it's easy to see why. It's a, it's a dramatic scene. It's, uh, it, it, it's a spectacular scene. It's full of contrast, right? You have the humble, lowly shepherds in the dark of night, and then you have the, the heavenly, glorious angels coming with brilliant light to them. And then there's the wonderful message, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. It's easy to see why when Charlie Brown is crying out desperately, will someone please tell me what Christmas is all about? Linus picks this to tell him. He quotes these verses. This is the heart of the Christmas story. But while it's iconic and well-known, deservedly so, it's also, I think, often misunderstood. Uh, the, the, the angel's message is often boiled down to a very bland message here of peace on earth, peace to everybody. God's kind of, God, God just wants everybody to stop fighting and get along. And uh, that's, that's, that's the message of the Christmas story. God's wishing that everyone would just stop quarreling with each other. But if, that's the, uh, if that is the angel's message, that um, peace on earth has come, peace toward all men everywhere, then it seems like it didn't work, did it? That if the angels are saying that God is bringing peace, then where is that peace? If, if this is what the angels meant, right? Then it wasn't so much God announcing peace here with the angels' song, but he is actually just kind of wishing for peace. It's less of an armistice day where the treaty's signed and the war is over, and more of a thinking of you card from God that I wish that you would get along. This, uh, if the peace treaty was signed, it would seem like either uh, whoever signed it didn't have the authority to enact it because the conflict is still going on, or they didn't actually mean anything by the treaty, it was meaningless. And if we look around at the history of the world since the angels came and sang peace on earth, goodwill to men, it would seem like this is the case. I mean, the number of wars hasn't decreased. The number of plagues, the number of broken marriages and abusive relationships, none of that has, has gone down. In fact, it's probably increased. As, as people increase, so does sin. I wonder what the connection could be. Right, so in light of this, what is this announcement actually about? What is actually happening here when the angels say, peace on earth, what do they mean? If we see so much conflict still around us, what does it mean for us? How should we respond to it? 
What I want to do, loved ones, this morning as we look at this is to first unpack what the angels are saying, see what it really means in the context here, what, what Luke wants us to see, and then also look at how the shepherds respond to it because we also have to respond to this message ourselves. Let's dive in. Verse 13. Uh, the, the angel appears first to the shepherds. He preaches them the gospel in verse 11. He preaches them the good news of great joy that Christ the Savior has been born. Suddenly, that angel is joined with a whole choir of angels, a whole host of angels. Um, Luke calls them a multitude of the heavenly host. This is actually an army. That's the language here. This is an angelic army. That's a military term. There's a multitude of them. You can imagine the scene, perhaps, this innumerable angelic army, fearsome and terrifying. If one angel was enough to terrify the shepherds, how much more the sudden appearance of this angelic army. And you know what armies are for. They come to destroy, don't they? They come to give, to do battle. But this heavenly army that appears to the shepherds doesn't come to destroy and kill and carry out God's wrath. They come singing. Peace. They come with a message first for heaven. And they come also with a message from heaven. The first, their message is, is towards God himself. They, they come in and they, they, they are praising God himself. They're celebrating that Jesus has been born. The one who uh, was promised for so long, the Messiah, he's been born. God has come down and taken on human flesh. The, the Son of God has come as the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they're worshiping. They're glorying in this. We read over in First Peter chapter 1, verse 12, that the angels cannot fathom what God is doing in redemption. And that's what these angels are doing here. They are in awe of what God is doing as He sends His Son to die for sinners. They're in awe of it, and they're worshiping God for it, and they're singing, Glory to God in the highest. Even as uh, a human king's birth would be announced by, by, by heralds and choirs and praise, God is sending these angels to glorify his son, and glorify him as, as his son is born. And the angels are saying, what God is doing here is first and foremost for his glory. That's the first part of the angel's message. It's, a, it's, it's for heaven. It's directed heavenward. It's also, uh, it's also directed to man, though. That's the second part of their message. It's a message to man, to the shepherds, and, and to all people. It's a message of peace that God is declaring to man. This is verse 14, the second half. It reads like this, And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. It's a message of peace from this army, from the Lord. But again, what, what is this message of peace? What does it mean? It isn't, it isn't wishful thinking on God's part. It isn't God commanding peace either. This isn't God saying, here is my command to you, that you get along and be at peace with each other and stop fighting with each other. God does that other places, live peaceably with all men as, as much as it, it depends on you. But that's not what he's saying here. He's saying here that, that he himself is declaring peace. He's announcing peace. He's saying it's a fact. There is peace. It's like a, it's like a newspaper. It's like, it's like the news saying, the war is over, announcing a fact. Something has happened. In the birth of Jesus Christ, God is saying, peace on earth is here. Real peace. As a historical event, it's, it's here. God is announcing that. 
What is, what is this peace that, we are, that the angels are talking about? Well, first of all, loved ones, it's the, it's the end of the war between God and man. It's the end of the war. It's the end of the conflict. That's the most fundamental conflict that there is. Our, our enmity with God and His warfare against us because of our sin. His wrath on us because of our sin. Listen to Romans 1, verse 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. That's our fundamental condition under God's wrath. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. As Jonathan Edwards put it, we have sinned against him and we have mocked him and we've broken his law and we are an affront to his holiness. And so he has declared war against all men. What a terrifying thing to have God at war with you. To have God to be your enemy. And, and he's the almighty creator of the universe with limitless power to do whatever he wills. And if he's your enemy, what is your hope? But God is not only at war with sinful humanity, he's also gracious. And so he sends his son here and he sends this declaration of peace to those who will turn and seek reconciliation in his son. He promises this peace way back in Genesis 3.15. And then finally here in our text, he is announcing that God himself has come to make this peace. 2 Corinthians 5. 19 says, In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Or Romans 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is at the core of what the angels are announcing to the shepherds and announcing to us. You can have peace with God in Christ because the mediator has come. Wesley's great Christmas hymn puts it so well. Hark! The herald angels sing glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. God is not counting our sins against us because he sent his son to make peace between himself and all those who will turn to him. It's a glorious announcement. It's not a wish. It's an announcement. The mediator's here now. Peace is available to you now. Loved ones, have you, have you, have you come to taste and trust in God making peace with you? Now, this isn't a general announcement. Uh, this, is, this is peace among those with whom he is pleased. The text says, some translations put it slightly differently, but I think the best translation is, this is peace among those with whom he is pleased, among those who've been reconciled to him through his son. That's the first part of the message. The angels sing. But there's more to the peace that is, uh, that is included here, I think. This is the fundamental peace. Peace with God, our sins forgiven, reconciled with our Creator, um, our sin atoned for in the Mediator, our Lord Jesus. But there's more to that picture of peace. Uh, as Luke uh, records the angel's song, as they sing about peace, they're not just declaring, you have peace with God, the war is over. They're saying, it's not just that the war is over, it's also that every possible covenant blessing is, is going to come to fruition in Christ. 
in the Old Testament, the, con- the, uh, the idea of peace, the concept of peace, wasn't just that there's no conflict, but that there's perfect wholeness, that everything is exactly as it should be. It's the idea of shalom, peace in the Hebrew. It's, it's the sense of wholeness, everything being right. If you think of the blessing that, the Aaron, that Aaron, the high priest, was to give the Old Testament people of God, uh, it climaxes with his declaration of peace. The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you, and give you peace. The fullness of covenant blessing. Picture that Christmas special where at the end, everything is perfect. The snow is falling. It's warm and cozy inside. The lights are all dim. And the family's all together happy. Peace. Everything's right. Nothing's wrong. Just for a brief moment. And picture that multiplied you know, by a million and spread out over the whole world. That's the kind of concept of peace. right? We read about it in Isaiah earlier, verses 6 and 9 of chapter 11. The wolf shall, lo- shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's Isaiah's vision of this perfect state where nothing's wrong. Everything's right with the world. It's, it's something we just can't imagine. We have no concept of. This is the fullness of the peace the angels are saying has come. That because we have peace with God, the fundamental conflict is resolved. Because we are reconciled to God, therefore He can pour out all His covenant blessings on us. Bring us into His perfect kingdom of peace. When will this happen? Isaiah 11 uh, told us this as well. Um, It promised this kingdom of peace and it promised us it would come to pass when the Messiah came. When God's servant, the Christ, came. He would be, as Isaiah 9 puts it, the prince of peace. His kingdom will never end. When this king comes, his kingdom comes and this kingdom will be a kingdom of peace peace. We get a picture of what this peace would be like in uh, Return of the King. When Sam Wise Gamgee wakes up, he thought he was dead. And he wakes up and he sees Gandalf. He thought Gandalf was dead, too. He finds out he's not. He says, Gandalf, I thought you were dead. But then I thought I was dead myself. Is everything sad going to come untrue? What's happened to the world? That's the kind of thing that Jesus is bringing about. In this kingdom of peace, is everything sad going to come untrue? That's the message of the angels in Luke 2. Prince of Peace has been born. His birth marks the beginning of this kingdom where everything sad is going to come untrue, where, where, where peace with God is going to lead to every blessing from God imaginable. Loved ones, we know, right, by our own experience... We're only tasting uh, uh, just the, the foretaste of this. Right? We, get, we get hints of it. We taste the sweetness of having our sins forgiven, our consciences cleansed, fellowship with God, His smile on us. We know that. We're waiting for the rest. We know what's coming. The angels have already announced it. Christ, the Prince of Peace, has come. 
and, 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 and so we need, to, we need to look at him and to, to strengthen our faith, which gets so, uh, so, uh, so weakened by our own experiences. Look at Christ. He, in his earthly ministry, he's, he's come to bring reconciliation by covering our sins, but he gives us all these wonderful foreshadowings of what this kingdom of peace is going to look like. He makes the blind see, makes the lame walk. He raises the dead. And then he himself rises from the dead, never to die again. He's saying the kingdom of peace is coming. It's only a matter of time. But loved ones, there's another qualifier we need to pay attention to, right? We said this already, that when when the angels come and say, peace on earth, goodwill to men, they're saying, peace among those with whom God is pleased. You've got to be reconciled to God, the angels are saying. You have to, he has to be pleased with you. And the only way that's possible is in Christ. And it's true here as well with this aspect of peace. This promise of a kingdom of perfect peace is only for those who are reconciled to him, to those who trust him, who own him as their king. Now, loved ones, um, we've been talking about this idea of objective peace, that God has come and declared peace and made peace in his son, the mediator. We haven't really touched on the idea of subjective peace, the experience of our peace, of, of inner peace, as, as, we, as we reflect on these things. That's often what we associate with this idea of peace. We want the surface of our hearts to be like a lake that's untroubled, right, perfectly still and calm. Uh, it's not wrong to want that. God calls us to cast our cares on him, to be still and know that he is God. But what I want you to see is that as the angels come declaring peace, and we desire to have an inner sense of that peace, we don't find it by, by, by fixing our attention on our inner state, uh, uh, by fixing our attention on, on our own hearts. We, we find that sense of peace as we fix our attention on what the angels have said and what Christ has done. Imagine it like, um, uh, like someone who lived through the bombings of London in World War II. And some years on, the war is over, but they'll still wake up at night once in a while. Maybe a plane goes overhead, and they wake up terrified. What do they need to do to feel that sense of inner calm? Well, they need to remember the historical reality that the war is over, that peace has come. And that's what we need to do, isn't it? As, as, as our troubles come up and as our hearts are troubled and stirred up, we need to remember the historical reality that we're living in. God has made peace with us and promised us peace in Christ. So stay your hearts on him. Okay, that's the announcement of peace the angels give. We see it's announcement that Christ, the mediator, has come. He's established and begun his reign of perfect peace, and we find peace as we trust in him. Now, loved ones, let's look at how the shepherds respond to these words. What do they, what do, they do? Uh, first, they trust. They believe what the angels tell them. It's interesting, they don't hear what the angels say and then say, that sounds really nice, let's go check it out and make sure it's true. That's not why they're going to Bethlehem. They say, this is wonderful news. Let's go see what has happened, what the angels have said to us. Right? That's what they say in verse 15. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing. That has happened. They're totally sure and convinced that this has happened. It's a certainty. They trust that the Lord has made known to them this thing that has happened. They take it as a fact. Even before they've seen it, they hear God's word and they trust. 
And what's their trust characterized by? It's an eager trust, isn't it? They, they believe the angels, but it's not just their heads saying, yep, sounds convincing. It's their hearts saying, this is wonderful news. Let's go see. The text tells us in verse 16, they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They don't wait at all. They don't, uh, they don't uh, wait around. They rush to the manger. They get there as soon as they can. Loved ones, as we hear the account of Christ's birth, and as we hear what the angels have said to us about peace, we need to respond this same way. We need to trust, right? Not, not saying, well, I have to see the birth of Christ first to trust. But hear God's word from the angels themselves and trust that it's true. We are getting here Luke's account of the gospel probably quite likely that he interviewed some of these shepherds. He was a thorough historian. He may have gone and tracked down some of these shepherds still alive, gotten their account. He's written down for us this eyewitness account of what happened. And now he's writing it down so that you and I can read it, hear God's word, hear the account, and trust God's word to us. Like the shepherds, we should respond to the angel's words with trust in God and an eager trust, a delighting and wondering and hurrying trust, a trust that runs to Christ. The second thing the shepherds do is they respond. They they are so excited about what they've heard, and they're so ecstatic that the Christ has come that they can't help but talk about it. They They go to see the baby Jesus, they find him, and they tell Mary and Joseph all about what they heard. Then they go on and they tell others. Everyone they run into, it seems to be the sense, that they, uh, they're just overflowing with this news that Christ has come. They trust, and then they tell. And finally, the shepherds respond with worship. See this in verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. Shepherds go back to their work, same old sheep and the same old problems, but they're, they're changed by the news they've heard. They're worshiping and praising God. They're glorifying God. They're, they're joining their voices with the voices of the angelic choir, rejoicing that Christ is born, glory to God in the highest. See, this is the goal of the peace on earth that the angels were announcing, right? That's why they start their song, the angels do, with glory to God, peace on earth. The shepherds hear peace on earth and turn around and say, glory to God in the highest. They've seen Christ. They've worshipped him. That is the response that we are called to as well. We are called to respond to this good news of great joy that Christ, the Prince of Peace, has come. We're to respond with glorifying God, worshipping God. If the shepherds responded uh, just to the news of Christ's birth this way, Should we not much more who've seen the whole account of Christ's life, ministry, work, his death, his resurrection? We see him now as the risen and ascended Christ, glorified in heaven. Should we not praise him too? He offers us peace with God, loved ones. He offers us wholeness, blessing in the age to come. So let's trust in him and let's worship him. Amen. Lord, we rejoice in our Lord Jesus and we give thanks to you that you've made peace with us through him. We pray that our hearts would would be uh, full of confidence and reliance in him, trusting in him, resting in him, rejoicing in him. We pray this for his dear sake. Amen.
Let's respond.